encouragement. Thank you, Paul. Morning, everyone. Can you hear me okay? Hear me at the back? Yeah? Have a wave. Have a wave from my wife. Can you hear me? Lovely. <laughs> it's my great pleasure to uh, bring God's Word to you this morning. Um, the passage I'm going to be speaking on this morning is one of my favourites. Um, and it talks about my favourite person, Jesus. We've been singing about him this morning, we've been worshipping him, and now we're going to hear some more about him. He is wonderful, and I love talking about him. Uh, and the reason we are here is about him. If you don't know him already, then you have an opportunity to find out more about him this morning. And uh, he's, he's worth getting to know. The subject is entitled, there it is, Jesus, Our Great Example. I'm going to be talking about what it means to truly follow him and have the same attitude as him, especially with regard to humility and serving. So, should we turn to the passage? It's uh, Philippians 2, verse 1 to 11. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should, not, should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, Jesus is God, we're going to proclaim that loudly, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, or in other meanings, or to be taken hold of or taken advantage of. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What a wonderful passage! What a wonderful passage! Let's start by saying, uh, uh, I'm just going to lead us in prayer, because I need God's help, and we need God's help to, to come and reveal his word to us. Mm. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together as your people, studying your word and finding more about your precious son, Jesus. Show us, Lord, that it's only through him and by the work of the Holy Spirit that we can be changed. Change us this morning as we follow Jesus' great example. Amen. Amen. 
I wonder uh, this morning if I was to ask you who your favourite superhero is, I wonder what you'd say. Is it, uh, would it be Superman, the, uh, the classic Superman who flies around, um, super strength, um, he, can, he can stop a forest fly just, fire just by blowing with his icy cold breath? Or would it perhaps be someone you like a bit darker, perhaps Batman who's, uh, who's very clever and gets people with his cleverness and uh, his super fighting skills? Or would it be my son's favourite, um, Spider-Man. I don't know if so, many of you remember him a few years ago. He, he wouldn't come to church without his Spider-Man um, outfit on. He, he loved it. And uh, he loved the idea of um, flinging webs all over the place and uh, being able to fly around the city. Not that he could do that, but he'd like to have done. Um, or what about The Incredibles? Um, Nigel's favourite, I remember. He was always talking about The Incredibles. Um, had various abilities, like Mr. Incredible had super strength, um, Elastigirl was able to stretch probably from one side of the building to the other. Um, the, the, the daughter was, was invisible and made force fields. Uh, or the little boy was able to run really fast. What would your favourite superhero be? Well, of course, we all want a hero, don't we? We all want someone that we could admire and look up to. Unfortunately, all of these uh, super, superheroes aren't real. <laughs> Sorry if that's a revelation to you. Um, but this, this morning I'm going to talk about my real-life superhero, and that's Jesus Christ. Um, of course, all, these superhero, all of these superheroes we read and, and watch on the telly, they all had special powers to save people and to stop evil. Um, the difference is that Jesus, he had superpowers, but he gave them up. He chose not to use them. He was... You know, greater than all of them. He was God, he's God himself. And yet he came down, taking on the very form of a servant, uh, of, a, of a human, of a, of a man. Um, it says in verse 7, he made himself nothing. Or in other versions, he emptied himself. He was still fully God in every aspect. He didn't cease to become God. He was still fully God. But he, he added to himself the frailty of man. He took on our weaknesses and allowed himself to feel pain and suffering. He laid aside his omnipotence, hard word to say, his abilities to, or all strength, um, being everywhere at one time, all the characteristics we know about God. He laid them aside, and he chose to take on a weakness of man. In Hebrews 4 it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. We have a God who has walked our path and understands our weaknesses, who didn't judge us from afar, but he came down and he lived our life. What a God. What an example. You couldn't make it up, could you? You couldn't make up a God who, who has all that power and yet gives it up for us. Um, it brings me to my first point, really. It's... Um, it's following Jesus. Jesus is the one we follow, isn't he? Um, but what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? I wonder if you've ever thought about the word Christian. What does, where does that come from? What does it mean? Well, surprisingly, it only appears three times in the New Testament. It's, it's not there very much. Um, the word Christian really was used as a derogatory term by the enemies of, of the disciples. 
And basically what they were saying was, it's like you're being a, a mini-Jesus. That, that all the disciples were trying to do things um, to be like Jesus. They, were, they went around um, being, um, you know, helping people, um, praying for the sick, all the things that Jesus did. They did the same things. And it was a derogatory term um, to say, oh, you're a, like a mini-Christ. I suppose a child um, would call, call someone like that a copycat or something. It's something that's, that wasn't meant to be very nice. But, but um, I would love to be known as someone who is like Jesus, who is a mini-Jesus. That would be my goal, and I'm sure that would be your goal as well, to be a follower of Jesus. One, one way we can follow Jesus, I've seen um, quite a few have uh, those wristbands which say WWJD. I don't know if anyone's got one of those, whether they're out of fashion now. <laughs> Um, but it, it stands for what would Jesus do, and that's a very good thing if we're following him to see what he would do. And of course, you know, we need to, we need to know what he would do by, by reading this, uh, by reading the Bible and finding out. If, you, if you're not too familiar with it, a good place to start is the Gospels and just see what Je- how Jesus reacted in everyday situations um, and, what ha- and what was happening around him. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, verse 1 to 2, that's coming up. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So we're imitating God, aren't we? And um, I was, as I was preparing, I found this lovely, just little phrase from Max Lucado um, in, from his book, God Came Near. Christianity, in its purest form, is nothing more than seeing Jesus. Christian service in its purest form is nothing more than imitating him whom we see. To see his majesty and to imitate him, that is the sum of Christianity. That's quite simple, really. Sometimes we can make it complicated, but I think we need to just see that, just see Jesus and imitate him. And, and really, it's as simple as that. Um, so we're going to look at a couple of ways where we can imitate Jesus and follow him. The first is um, in, through humility. We, see, we saw in this um, that he offered um, in the verse, it says, he made himself nothing um, and he humbled himself. In our Western society, we're not very familiar or very particularly impressed with humility, are we? It's quite foreign to us. Um, it, and so, it, as I'm talking, it's easier to think about the, um, the issue of pride um, because that we can understand that a bit more and just see the opposite of it. Um, pride nowadays is seen as a virtue um, and humility is disregarded and as irrelevant, as weak. Um, but we live in a different way. So let's just see what, let's just see what the world says about pride um, it's especially now in the media, um, in sport, especially in music. Um, the classic is Muhammad Ali, who said, I am the greatest, a very proud statement. Um, if those of you who watch football like I do, you see some of the, uh, after they scored a goal, um, standing there, sort of just being very proud to the crowd. I particularly remember someone called Eric Cantona he used to do that, he used to stand with his... Um, back, chest puffed out, and just look around, sort of being very proud. And it even extends to the managers, doesn't it? Uh, um, Jose Mourinho calling himself the, the special one. Very proud statement. 
And pride pervades throughout our society, through Western society, um, especially from philosophies from the ancient Greeks who championed intelligence and reason above everything else. Um, And I've put up a quote from Aristotle um, in 350 BC who considered pride as a virtue. He said, Pride then seems to be a sort of crown of the virtues, for it makes them greater and it is not found without them. Um, Going more recent, um, the 19th century philosopher Nietzsche, um, who was famously quoted as saying, God is dead, um, he had a big influence on Western thought, um, and especially in relation to pride. He championed pride as it, as it acknowledged the good and the noble, and he rejected the weak and the insipid. So he was being very proud about um, the human race. Um, his ideas of pride developed into something called Ubermensch, which, which also means a master race. And uh, that idea along with God is dead, um, developed into something um, from one of his followers, who was Adolf Hitler, who just took it one step further. And if you take God away from the equation uh, and look at how far pride goes with a master race, we we all know what happened after that. So um, it can be, left unchecked, it can be very dangerous. Pride can be very dangerous. Of course, in the 20th century... Um, it's a lot more sanitised now. Um, it's seen in, in, as I said, in the media, but also in a lot of self-help and uh, self-esteem things that, that are just there all the time. Um, I found this on, on the internet, which is quite, quite telling. It's quite popular and it's quite uh, um, pretty much the, what people think now. It says, Pride is really the result of being aware of our own personal power. Pride is actually a byproduct of our success and in turn strengthens us so that we become even more successful. Don't be afraid to feel proud. After all, you have earned the right. You can feel proud that you are alive because nature favours the strong. Basically, the wisdom of the world despises humility. It is saying that we're okay, we can get everything from ourselves as long as we think better and think think ourselves better, we'll be okay. Thank you, God. We don't need you very much, or if at all. But we are dependent. We know this, don't we? We are dependent on God for everything. It's from him that we get our talents and our gifts. Everything that we can do is from him. We get our food. He gives us our food, our shelter, our clothing, and warmth. In fact, the very air we breathe is from him. So how dare we be proud? Let's, let's turn, really, to see what God says about pride and humility. Um, the first passage is pretty strong. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behaviour and perverse speech. But it gets stronger in 1 Peter 5, verse 5. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I don't know if you've ever thought what it's like to be opposed by God, but it's a position I don't want to be in. Um, If you're proud, then the Bible says 
that God opposes you. And uh, that is really not a good place to be in. Um, a, a famous verse, which is often misquoted, is uh, we just say pride comes before a fall. So we might think, oh, you know, I've tripped up. Oh, yeah, I must have been proud. But um, the actual verse is Proverbs 16, verse 18, where it says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Destruction's quite a strong term. It's a bit more than just, tip, than just uh, tripping up. But I guess the bottom line, when we're looking at the difference between the two, is who are we trusting in? If it's ourselves, it's pride. If it's God, then it's humility. I just wanted, before we go on, I want to clarify a part of this message uh, or the part of the passage that you may have a problem with. Um, It says in verse 3, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Now, you may ask yourself, well, how can, you know, there's certain people, why should I um, consider them better than myself? Because they're they're clearly not, you know, they might be um, very immoral. Um, So it's a fair question to ask. But the actual... um, the actual meaning of that bit is uh, it's not better. It's not saying mor- morally better, but um, it's meaning more important. Um, it means to esteem them more highly, um, to recognise their worth, to recognise that they were created in God's image and that God loves them. And on the most part, humility, it starts in our mind. The word consider is to reckon. It's an act of the mind and it's not passive. It's not something that suddenly appears if we pray a lot, suddenly arrives on the kitchen table and, you know, then suddenly we've got humility. It's something we need to do. We need to consider it in our mind and to act upon it. In 1 Peter 5 verse 6 it says, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And we are, Jesus, we are following Jesus' example that he said he humbled himself. Um, uh, just, just before I come off the subject of, of humility, I just thought it would be quite good to have a few practical tips or a few, few little things that i found. Um, this is from a, a, a former Archbishop of Canterbury. He was an Archbishop of Canterbury in the 60s and 70s called Michael Ramsey. And he gave these following thoughts in a book called The Christian Priest Today. And he used to, he used to share his wisdom with, um, with young men who were on the eve of their ordination. But I thought they were very good. They're in a little bit old English, but they're certainly worth bearing in mind. If we can have those up. It says, first, thank God, often and always. Thank God, carefully and wonderingly, for your continuing privileges and for every experience of his goodness. Thankfulness is a soil in which pride does not easily grow. So the first way, really, is to be thankful, to thank God in everything for what he's given us to not rely on our own gifts and our own abilities, but to thank God for them. Secondly, take care about confession of your sins. Be sure to criticise yourself in God's presence. That is your self-examination. And put yourself under the design, divine criticism. That is your com- confession. The Bible says don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. So it's confession of our sins. Thirdly, Be ready to accept humiliations. They can hurt terribly, but they help you to be humble. There can be the trivial humiliations. Accept them. There can be the bigger humiliations. All of these can be so many chances 
to be a little nearer to our humble and crucified Lord. Fourthly, do not worry about status. There is only one status that our Lord bids us to be conserved with, and that is the status of proximity to himself. Our status, our best status is being near to God, being next to him in humility. And fifthly, I particularly like this one, use your sense of humour. Laugh about things. Laugh about the absurdities of life. Laugh about yourself and about your own absurdity. We are absurd sometimes, aren't we? When we look at it, we look at it, I think sometimes I take myself so seriously and it's absurd. We are all of us infinitesimally small and ludicrous creatures within God's universe. You have to be serious but never be solemn. Because if you are solemn about anything, there is the risk of becoming solemn about yourself. So they're just some good ways of, to, to think about, because it doesn't come easy, humility. I'm now going to go on to the second aspect of, of, what, uh, of, of Jesus' example to us and the way we follow him, and that's through service. The outworking of humility is service. I, I think it's very difficult to be humble and not to serve. And Jesus gave us the greatest example of his humility by serving us. And in, in uh, Mark 10, verse 45, it says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So how did he serve us? He left... I don't, it's difficult to imagine what heaven is like. But it's a lot better than earth. I mean, the, the Bible says there's no, there's no tears, there's no pain. And, and Jesus is the, is the darling of heaven, the Lord of heaven. So he came down. And, and even if he'd come to a palace on earth, it would have still been slumming it compared to what he, was, what he had in heaven. But he didn't, did he? He didn't come to a palace. He came down and down and further down. And he ended up in a smelly cow shed in a third world country years and years ago before, you know, before um, any sort of medical help, anything like that. He didn't choose to come as a king or as royalty. He came down and down and down. He worked hard with his hands in the heat of the day. He was a carpenter. He sort of you know, it wasn't an easy life. He wasn't sitting in an office. He toiled hard. It's widely considered that, uh, that his earthly father, Joseph, died quite young. And so he had then had to look after his mother, had to provide for her. There was no social services in those days. She didn't have any money. He would have had to provide. And he had brothers and sisters. He would have had to provide for them. He had nowhere to call his own, the Bible says. He had no possessions. Nowhere to lay his head. Foxes have holes, but he had nowhere to lay his head. He spent three years training his disciples, pouring his life out for them, giving them his all. And what did they do? They ran away and denied him, didn't they? And he washed their feet, their smelly, dirty feet. He was whipped and he was beaten. He was spat upon. He had a needle-sharp crown of thorns thrust into his head. 
He was then crucified, naked, with nails hammered into his hands and feet. And as an innocent man, not guilty, he voluntarily took upon our sins, the sins of the whole world, and suffered even more than we will know by being separated from the Father. Even more than that um, painful, painful time, he was separated from the Father. And we don't really understand that, but that would have been more painful than all the rest. He who had spent eternity with his Father in wonderful, wonderful relationship, he was separated from him. This is our God. This is the one who serves us. This is the one who served us by doing all of that. And why did he do that? Because he loves us. I cannot see, I can't really see how we can call ourselves followers of Jesus and not at least do some of the things he did or, or be like him or, or just follow him. I don't see how we can't serve. So I've just thought of a few ways of how we can serve um, just these are just not in any particular order. These are just that came to me. Um, the first one is don't serve out of a sense of duty or obligation. Do you know there is nothing, absolutely nothing we can do to earn our salvation. You cannot pay the debt back. It's all grace. It's all a free gift. So if you're thinking by serving here that you're paying anything back, you're wrong. You can't. We're doing it because we want to and because we're following him. Um, Serving like Jesus means that we're faithful and we see the job through. He saw it through to the end. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Sometimes we just have to keep going. It may be hard. You might be finding your Christianity really hard right now. But Jesus kept going. Let's keep going. Even if you're finding it hard, draw yourself to him. Throw yourself on him and he will help you, I promise you. Um, Galatians 6 verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We don't serve to impress other people, but we do it for God. Don't do it in front of everyone so people can see your good works. Jesus had quite a bit to say about that. You know, when you pray, shut the door. You know, all these things, the way we serve. Do it for God. Don't do it for other people. Um, Colossians 3 says, Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Um, And then another point, I think, is it can be hard work. Jesus found it hard work. And and I think we will too. But But it is worth it. It's rewarding. And we need to keep going. Um, that verse, I don't know if there's a verse from Colossians up there. Um, it's, Paul says, Now I rejoice in what was suffer, suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations. But, is, but it is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, 
so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labour, struggling with all his energy. It's hard work, but it's, if you notice, it says all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Another, another point I had was just a, ever so simple one, really. Uh, remember that serving brings joy, and we do it all in the following order. This is, uh, it's Jesus first, um, others next, and then yourselves, which spells joy. <laughs> just an easy way of remembering it, really. Jesus first, others second, yourself third. Um, we grow by serving. We grow. If we're serving, we are learning and growing. You know, as we, as we learn to, to, to help in the church and to do things, we're, we're, we're coming alongside people, we're learning stuff. You know, we're not just sitting here um, just taking on all the teaching, but we do learn a lot as we, as we, as we serve. Um, I'd just like, to, uh, just like to ask my wife to come up now. Um, she's just going to bring a little testimony um, of when she first started in the church. She's very nervous, so... But, but it, I just thought it would be good. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> to um, say a few words um, about when I first came to King's, um, ten, ten and a half years ago now when we first got married. Um, I was approached, after I'd been here for a few, few months, a few weeks, a few months, I'm not quite sure how, how long I've been here, but um, I was approached by somebody who asked if I would like to um, be involved in children's work, acorns as it was then, um, regulars now, sort of the not to four year olds. Um, I had no children of my own, I had no experience whatsoever with children at all, but I thought, well, I'm not actually serving in any other way, so I, um, I agreed to do it. And um, I just found as I got involved, and I was committed each time I came up on the rotor for, for, for my turn, um, I found I, I, I started to get a real sense of belonging, and um, I really felt sort of like I was becoming more bedded and rooted in church life, in the family life. And um, it just really gave me a sense of um, being involved in something really quite big and um, being able to contribute to um, the church growing and um, being healthy and functioning as it should. And, um, yeah, I found it had great benefits for me personally and um, just obviously benefits to everybody else because you're helping to look after their children. Um, And I would just really like to encourage people that that it's a great thing to do, to serve, and, and it really does grow you and grow the church in a very, very special way. Thank you. Thank you, Liz. Yeah, it's worth doing. Um, just, just the last thing, really, for, for, in this point, is um, we will be more motivated as we see the bigger picture. You probably noticed that this is quite a small congregation. There's an awful lot of Hastings out there that doesn't know Jesus. There's a dying world out there. And we need to, to serve them. And to, um, yeah, we, c- we can't just sit here, listen to the sermon every Sunday, not let it affect our lives. And uh, there's a dying world 
and, and it needs a church that is strong, a church that is unified and working together to see this town changed. And uh, we, we can't just do it with a few of us. We need everybody. And I would love everybody to get involved in serving each other and serving the lost. But we need to have that bigger picture sometimes. We need to, I think sometimes we can be very self-focused, very thinking about ourselves. But if we lift our eyes and look out to this town and see that it is, that it is a dying town and it needs Jesus. And um, I'd love, you know, everyone to join in as we're growing together, as we are fighting together, as we are seeing the gospel proclaimed to, together, that we um, serve together as well just want to say there's so many different ways of serving. I just want to make this last point very practical. Um, we put in the, in the update um, a, a sheet with, where you can sign up for anything. That there's all sorts of things that happen on a Sunday morning. You probably noticed Jason and Sarah as they stood up. They're going next week. They had Wriggler's t-shirts on. Now, that's two people that aren't going to be here serving Wriggler's after next week. They, they need help. Um, kid, kids Club as well. Well, not Kids Club. Um, Mega Mix. Um, you know, there's car parking. There's welcome team. Um, there's coffee. There's the resources. I'm sure I've probably missed some out. But there's uh, PA. Thank you. <laughs> he could have turned me off, couldn't he? <laughs> I would have remembered then. Um, there's, there, you know, there's so much we can do. And don't say that there's nothing you can do, because um, as Paul pointed out in t- two weeks ago, in Ephesians 2 verse 10, it says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we can all, we can all do something. Um, we all have unique talents that God's given us. And it's just a question of finding where we fit in to the body of Christ. And just finally, as we finish this morning, um, and we're going to take communion in a short while, and break bread, and just remember what Jesus did for us. Um, I'd just like to say a few words to those of you who are not at this moment following Jesus. You hadn't really thought about it. But maybe something I've said this morning um, has just touched you. Um, The last couple of verses of today's passage... They state that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One day you will be humbled before God. You will bow the knee and you won't have a choice. The chance today is to make that choice and give your life to Jesus, to voluntarily humble yourself. One day you won't be able to, but now you can do it humbly before him. If you admit that you've been trying to live life your own way, but the the life you are living is taking you away from God, we all all have sin and it takes us away. It separates us from God. And there's no... You have to humble yourself to turn to God. Um, By repenting, that's, that's... almost humiliating yourself, you're repenting, you're saying sorry and humbly asking Jesus to forgive you and come into your life. You can live your life for him today. You can come in in humble submission and turn to him.
It means doing away with pride, with what I've got in myself, any you know, abilities I may have, and humbly following him. But I can promise you it's worth following him because you truly find life when you follow him, when you give up and say, I'm not going to do it myself anymore. It may not be plain sailing. People will probably laugh at you. They will ridicule you. But you're following somebody who's already been ridiculed and he knows what you will go through. And I can't think of a better demonstration of uh, humility than to step out in front of the congregation now. If you want to give your life to Jesus and follow him in humility, I want to ask you in humility to come forward and give your life to him. So if you want to do that, just before we, um, before we break bread, please do that now and I'll speak, I'd, I'd like to speak to you afterwards and, and, and just confirm that that's what you want to do. But if you feel that that's for you, then, then come forward now. I'm just going to finish by just praying and then I'd like to invite the band up. And I think Matt's going to lead us through um, breaking bread. Yeah, Jesus, we commit ourselves to following you again today. Lord, we say we're sorry if we've um, become complacent, if we've just turned up, sat through worship and sat through preaching, gone home again. It hasn't allowed it to hasn't allowed you to change our lives, Lord. Lord, again, we give our lives to you. We humbly submit to you, Lord, knowing that every good and perfect gift comes from you. Lord, I thank you. You give us, uh, you give us your fullness. I thank you. You gave us everything, Lord, as we celebrate that now, as we uh, take the bread and the wine, remembering your service to us, Lord. Help us to remember that as we go through this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.